What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and, of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the TSK Show, Jacob and I hold down the fort while Tyler couldn't make it this week. Jacob and I will talk about the Houston Rockets and how they have been doing since the Clint Capella trade. We'll share our thoughts on the MVP race in the NBA, as that has been quite the topic of discussion over the past few days. We're also going to discuss how Zion Williamson has been doing as he gets more and more acclimated to the NBA game. And to close the show, we'll give our opinion on the incident last night between Spike Lee and Knicks owner James Dolan. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, Jacob? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Oh, you know, another day, another dollar. It's funny. I just ran into uh, to Adam. Oh, not Adam too long Oslin. ago, yeah, not too long ago, and uh, me and him were just talking about you know Lakers Clippers because he knows that me and you are Lakers fans, <clears throat> and he's obviously a Clippers fan. He does the Clippers pre and post, and I saw him at the game on Friday. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I went to a Clipper game on Friday. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, stop. No, no, you didn't just go to a Clipper game. All right, all right. You well, didn't just go I was, to a Clipper game. I was being game. modest. I was being modest. My man was sitting in row A A. At the Clipper game. Yeah, I could have uh, slapped the back of Quiet Leonard's neck if I wanted to. I don't know if you would have wanted to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, but... after seeing his frame, I was like, no, nah, that's not a good idea. But, it, okay, continue more about your experience at the Clipper game. Oh. In row AA. Great experience. We had, uh, entered through the VIP entrance, number one, which is pretty slow, so they got to get that checked out. Uh, two. Staples Center. Yeah. Figure no, it out. No kidding. Making my way down the aisle to um, to get to the uh, floor access, basically. And I'm waiting there. Security's checking tickets for the people in front of us. And I look over to my right, and I see this this chick sitting on uh, um, on the the bench to my right in one of the, uh, the seats. She's hidden on the aisle seat. And I look over, and she smiles at me. I smile back, and I was like, who the hell is this? So recognizable. And I was like, no way. And I look over again, and I was like, that's Tanache. Tanache. Oh, yeah. And you know, that made my night. I know I went to a Clipper game and I sat at courtside, okay. but that was one of my highlights okay. of that night. Yeah. So seeing her off first, that was cool. Making my way down to the seats, you know, you sit down. Food was brought to you. You just got to order it. Uh, booze and, um, and, and and some food items were free. Oh. You want like a, a beverage or whatever, like like hard liquor, you got to pay for that. But but beer it, and wine was. But free? if you want as much brewskis and you know wine as you want, it's all free. Wow, food okay. is included. Uh, halftime was crazy. I'll get to the actual game in a little bit. Halftime 
was but crazy. We don't have to hear about the actual game. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, they, they blew them, they blew the Nuggets out by twenty. Yeah, but halftime comes and they're like, oh, we're, all right, we're gonna announce uh, our, our main guy, Too Short. Too Short comes out, he does the halftime. Too show. Short did the halftime show. Okay, M- mind you, he's wasted as he always is. Of course. And okay. so halftime's over, and I'm like talking to my friend, whatever. We're eating, drinking beer. I put my beer down, and all of a sudden, Too Short comes in the aisle. And I just stick my hand. I was like, hey, what's up, man? He was like, oh, what a do. Wasted completely. <laughs> but just to shake my hand courtside, felt like a celebrity, man. Okay, so you got a little head nod and maybe a wink from Tanache. Oh, see, I, I want to stress that. That was the highlight of the <laughs> night. That was. And then you got dapped up by Too Short. Oh, yeah. Wasted Too Short. And then I was at dinner with my parents, and they just so happened to have the, the game on TV. And there you were, sitting right behind Doc. Well, uh, and perfect view every time the they went to the Clippers bench, I could see you every time on TV. So yeah, every single time uh, ESPN had a camera in front of me, especially during like the timeouts or whatever, I was like, oh, I'm probably on TV right now. Oh no, you were 100 percent on TV. And then I saw Lisa Salters like right next to me. Okay, okay. I, I was gonna say hi because I am a fan, but she was, she was working, so I left her gotta alone. Got to keep it professional. Exactly. I left her alone. You know, you got to do your job. You know, she's over there snooping in the huddle to see what Doc's got to say. Okay. You know, heard a couple cuss words from Doc. I was going to say, what that did you pretty, like? Pretty funny. <laughs> what did you get to hear being that close to the action? Hear just little bits here and there. Um, but I did hear Patrick Beverly at one point. I think they were already. Oh, I'm sure he was going. Oh, off. yeah. You, you know, you know for sure you were going to hear him. But at one point, I think it was in maybe the end of the first, beginning of the second. They were already up by 10 on the Nuggets. And the Nuggets were playing sloppy turnovers. They couldn't score. It was kind of like trash basketball on their end. And. Patrick Beverly checks out and he goes to the bench. He's giving everybody high fives, talking to the coaches. You know, they're they're telling him good job, whatever. And as he's going to the end, every person he's passing on the Clippers bench, uh, these guys are trash. They can't play. <laughs> we, we we need to be blown out by thirty. And he's just going off on on everybody. That's funny. That yeah. sounds that sounds a lot. But that's like exactly what Pat you would Beverly yeah would say. You would expect that from him. But yeah. uh, overall, great experience. Tanasha is up there, number one, and then overall, uh, <laughs> game is number two. All right. Well, let's jump into everything else we wanted to talk about. Why don't we start with the Houston Rockets? Back on February 5th, the Rockets and the Hawks were a part of a big four-team trade that ultimately sent center Clint Capella from Houston to Atlanta as the centerpiece of the deal. And I think that was probably... That and the Andrew Wiggins trades were probably the two biggest trades of this trade deadline. And that was the biggest at the time, too, because there was a couple other smaller deals, but they didn't really matter, to be honest with you. Right, and this trade involving four teams, that obviously magnifies everything because there's a lot of moving pieces going to a lot of different teams. Yeah, because usually when it's multiple teams, so more than two or three, you expect a big star. And not saying Clint's not a big star, but... It just wasn't the kind of caliber that, let's say, a Wiggins would have been a part of. Because the last big trade that I remember was probably when the Lakers got Howard and they traded, I think it was four teams involved. It was like Philly. Well, no, I mean, we can, we don't even have to go back that far. We can go Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Yeah, but but that was straight up, though. Oh, you're talking about multiple moving pieces. Yeah, I'm saying multiple pieces. So when that's, that's the first one that comes to mind because they got Philly involved. Lakers were involved, obviously. And Orlando. Orlando. I think there was one more team. It might have been like Denver or something like that. Some some small team. They might have been. But, but yes, usually when you have a big team trade like that with multiple teams, it involves a bigger star. But this one, biggest star was Clint Capella. I mean, and listen, Clint Capella is no slouch. No, 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 no. And he's helped out the Rockets for his span that he's been there. For sure. But I think overall this deal 
came as a pretty big surprise for people across the league because the Rockets were giving up on Capella. And then they also gave up his backup, Nene. So both of their centers are off the roster. And they didn't really receive something of equal value in return like a John Collins from Atlanta. Well, I wouldn't say not equal value, but they didn't get a center or a big man. Their big man is P.J. Tucker right now. Well, and if you were to tell me that Houston and Atlanta were going to make a deal for Clint Capella, I would say, oh, John Collins has to be in that trade. Yeah, because you're trading him straight up. And if you're Houston, you're probably maybe giving up another asset, a trade or whatever. Even even if you're Atlanta, you might throw in a trade. Yeah. uh, A pick for for that. Yeah. But I think think overall the, the move was a money move for Houston because Capella, Harden, they're expensive. And, well, yeah, Capella, Harden, and Westbrook, they're all set to be free agents at the same time come 2023, but the Rockets owe Harden and Westbrook a considerably larger amount compared to Capella. Uh, just for instance, this season, Capella is making 14 point, almost basically $15 million, almost $15 million this season, 16 next year, 17 the year after, and then 18 in the final year of his deal. But then Russell Westbrook... He's making 38.5 this year, and then he's north of 40 the next three years. And same goes for James Harden. James Harden's making 38 this year and then north of 40, just like Russell Westbrook, next the next three years. So Houston had to figure out something to get more salary cap space for the future to build around Westbrook and Harden being so expensive yeah because again they have to cut two big fat checks to both of those guys yeah and and that's what you get you know you're going to be a four seed or a three seed in the west and you're going to be a contender obviously but now you got to pay up yeah and then with houston moving on from capella we all thought this was going to be the downfall of the houston rockets no one had any idea what they were thinking by putting out lineups where their tallest guy was like 6'5", 6'6", P.J. Tucker. Well, I'm looking at their roster right now. Tyson Chandler is a center, but he's also older. Right. He doesn't get it. He, he can't give you he, a consistent. He, he almost plays very similar to like what Capella played like because Capella wasn't a dominating center as far as on the offensive end. He pick would pick and, up. Pick he, and roll straight to the rim, exactly. throw a lob. And he'd pick up your trash, basically. Yeah. So Tyson Chandler could do that now, but he's just getting older at the end of his career. So yeah. he's more of a defensive veteran guy that you have on your team. Yeah, he's on the back nine of his career, and he's he can't give you a consistent 20, 25 minutes a night anymore. But look, if they're going to play Covington or P.J. Tucker at the center, it's a little risky. Covington Very is risky. 6'7", P.J. Tucker is 6'5". Now, he's a big boy, but he's also undersized height-wise to go up against people like teams you face um, – like centers like uh, Joel Embiid, you you play teams like the Lakers who have three big guys, AD, JaVale, exactly. Dwight Howard, or even if you play the Nuggets and you have Jokic, like you have to face some of these teams and they're going to have powerhouse big men. And it, it's crazy because they still exist. As much as the league has kind of gone away and shied away from these bigger lineups, look at the Lakers. The Lakers have that big lineup. And at times it's very, very power, overpowering on other teams. But then you get to teams like the Houston Rockets and other teams that like to go to the small ball. They have their advantage, too. So you kind of it's a give and take. So with the Rockets, who knows how far they get into the playoffs with this lineup that they have? Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry, I was looking up a stat for Robert Covington and his shooting since he's been on the Rockets. But, I mean, like... 
like we were saying, like we didn't know how this was going to work out for Houston not running a center. But you could, but you could even throw that argument in the beginning of their season when they got Westbrook. You could say, "How is this gonna? How is this gonna like pan out?" Because I didn't know. Yeah, I there's honestly, only one ball, and exactly. James Harden and Russell Westbrook both like having the ball in their hands. But since the Rockets have made this trade to get rid of Clint Capella, they've played ten games and they're seven and three. Very surprising. That's only that's only a ten game span. It's only a ten game span, but listen, yeah. they've been surging. James Harden in his last ten games is averaging thirty point six points per game, five point four rebounds a game, seven point four assists a game. He's shooting forty five percent from the field, and he's shooting almost thirty five percent from three. Russell Westbrook is averaging thirty three point six points per game, seven point six rebounds a game, five and a half assists, shooting fifty six point three percent from the field. And 42% from three. Westbrook and Harden also became the first pair of teammates to average at least 30 points per game and five assists per game in one calendar month. And they did that the entire month of February. Look, my concern is not what they're doing. My concern is what the others are going to do. Okay. So, so, so people like this, again, I'm looking at the roster. What is Damari Carroll going to give you in a game? Defense clean up some garbage, but listen. Same thing with Covington, same thing with P.J. Tucker and all the other guys that they got in that trade. Well, Ben McElmore in, in the last 10 games. He I should... didn't even know he was in the damn league still when I saw his name. Are you serious? Yes. He's been having a hell of a year, dude. With with Houston? Yes. Okay, because I didn't even know he was still in the league. In his last 10 games, he's shooting 48.9% from three. Since the Capella trade, he's shooting almost 50% from three. You're trying to confirm this? No, I'm seeing when he got drafted because I have no idea when he last played. Okay, well, some other guys on their roster. P.J. Tucker shooting 45% from three in their last 10 games. Jeff Green, who they just added, they signed him to a 10-day contract. Once his 10-day was up, he uh, signed on for the rest of the year. He's shooting 50% from three in the six games he's played with the Rockets. And then Robert Covington, like you mentioned, he's shooting 36.4% from three. Honestly, the only person I have confidence uh, as far as the others is um, is Covington. P.J. Tucker helps them out at times, but sometimes he kind of goes in and out of a shooting slump. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's hard to expect a lot from P.J. Tucker when you're expecting him to play center and have to exert so much effort on defense to guard seven-footers and 6'11 guys well, then that's Houston's fault for getting rid of their big men. I mean, and it's not P.J. Tucker's fault. No one's doubting that. Yeah, he's doing what he can. You know, if if you're the owner of the Rockets and management, you shouldn't have gotten rid of uh, Clint Capella, who was your bread and butter at times. He wasn't asking for much. I completely agree. He was not asking for a lot of, uh, well, maybe money, but I'm saying as far as, like, touches, he didn't care. Yeah, listen, I mean, Clint Capella is definitely one of the top centers in the league. I would I would probably put him in the top ten right now. But see, now. but it, 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 the context of you're saying it, people are going to be like you're you're wrong. But as far as efficiency goes, and as far as fit goes, he's How am perfect. I wrong? No, no, I'm not saying that you're wrong. Some people are going to say he's not a top center in the league oh. compared to other guys like Joel Embiid and and uh, Jokic. They're going to say you're you're incorrect. But well, I said as, top ten. But I'm saying efficient wise, he's he's great for that Houston team. He was great. Yeah, no, he was the perfect center for. For James that Harden, team. no, yeah. And, and yeah, and for Harden too, because Harden, like we said, and like everybody knows, he's going to dominate the ball. He's going to do the majority of the scoring. Now, all you have to do if you're Clint Capella is pick up the trash and roll with him to the basket. Now, with what we've seen 
from the Rockets since the Capella trade, where do you think the Rockets will end up in the final standings for the regular seasons, and what kind of playoff run do you think they can make? Well, right now they're sitting at the four spot. So if it, yeah. so if it started today, they would play the Utah Jazz. Yes. Which they would probably win that series only because Utah is a little dysfunctional right now, benching certain players. Yeah, we don't know and, what's going yeah, on Yeah, I there. don't know what's going on in Utah. But they would probably win that series. Do they get past the second round? They would probably have to play the likes of like a Clippers team or like a Lakers. Well, here's the thing. I know, I know we both probably think that Houston would end up winning that series, but... Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they would. I mean, Utah has two-time reigning defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert is their center. Yeah, but they've already faced Utah. I think they know how to just contain them. They don't really have new additions that that scare me if I'm Houston. Okay. Because they played them, I believe, last year or two years ago. It was It was the year that Utah beat OKC, upset them, and then they got to the second round, lost to Houston. Yeah. So, yeah, Houston's already seen them. They already know what Donovan Mitchell's going to do. You already know how to contain Gobert. And you've heard Russell Westbrook say he doesn't care if it's a seven-footer. He's still coming at him. Yo, listen, Russell Westbrook, he's still going to get his rebounds. He is one of the only guards in the league that truly fights for his rebounds. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are going to say he stat-padded to get those triple-doubles. No, he did not. Mm. No, he did not, bro. (laughs) Averaging a triple-double for an entire season. It's an argument for a different day. Okay. But... What what kind of playoff run do you think they're going to make? I I don't think it's it's looking good for them because no the style of play that James Harden plays we already know can't win. If it hasn't happened in the past, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, especially with the addition of Westbrook. Because come playoff Westbrook's, time, I think Westbrook's the X factor though, and I think he can win them some games in the playoffs. But that means one of them has to basically hand over the keys to the car and say, you know what, you're going to drive us home tonight. Kobe and Shaq would take turns. Okay, but I don't see this Kobe and Shaq dynamic with Westbrook and Harden. I was just giving an example. I know know, know you were, and I know where it was coming from, but I don't see it with them. They exert, they exert, well, not not Harden. Westbrook exerts so much on the offensive end, and mind you, he has like a motor like no other player I've seen, but it's you exert so much that it's like, it doesn't look easy. The way Harden scores, the way Kevin Durant scores, those people, it looks easy to them. Okay. And so I don't know about this matchup going into the playoffs. Again, they probably would win in the first round. Second round, they play the Clippers, they're getting their asses handed to them. I agree with that. Yeah. They have the Clippers have way too many pieces. Now, if they play a team like Denver, it might be a little bit interesting cuz Denver's a little bit shoddy too with their guards, especially and, the and and they're younger than Houston. And they're younger than Houston, but you saw how far they got last year or they, the the attempt they made. They took I think Portland to 7 games. Yeah. Now, if the Rockets played the likes of a Lakers, they would be screwed in the aspect of they have no big men to contain Davis, McGee, um, and uh, and Howard. Who's who's going to match up with them? And Markeith Morris. And Markeith Morris, it. exactly, yeah. So now you have, like, four legit inside presence. Yeah, no, I listen, I, don't, I didn't think the Houston Rockets were going to win an NBA championship this year. I still don't think that. So... I think overall this this Clint Capella trade is going to bite them in the ass. I know it looks good for them right now because you, look- you gave me their seven and three uh, in the record in, in the last ten. That's that's kind of fool's gold for right now. Like it looks nice for this little span, but let us get closer to the playoffs, April May. You'll really see who this team is going to go or where it's going to go. I should say. 
Yeah, and sorry, on a completely separate note, I just got a notification on my phone. Karis Levert just dropped 37 points in the fourth quarter in overtime, and he dropped a career-high 51 points for the Nets in an overtime win over the Celtics. Well, that's one highlight for the Nets this season. Yeah, listen. Because they've had a really crappy year. Kyrie just underwent surgery. His successful, and now you could celebrate it with uh, Levert at the game. Yeah. Jeez. Well, at least they beat the Celtics, too. They're a pretty good team. I watched highlights. Was it on Saturday? Uh, Houston played the Celtics, and they beat them, too. Yes, they did in a wild game. Yeah, that was really crazy at the end. But at times, I feel like they're going to match up really well with teams like Boston. But when it comes to the teams that are a little bit more physical and bigger, they're going to have a hard time with. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's move on. A hot topic over the last few days has been the MVP race. And for me, I think it's a three-horse race. Would you agree with that? Depending on the three that I say? It depends on what horses you're suggesting. Well, I think it's between Giannis, LeBron, and James Harden. Okay. Once again. No, no. Do you have anybody else that you would want to throw in there? No, those are the three that I have. I th- I'm, I mean, honestly, for fo- if we're throwing a fourth, I would honestly probably put AD. Oh, you would put him in there as well? Yeah. Now, would you put Kwai? Some people have said his name. Hasn't played enough. Oh, because of the load management? Hasn't played enough. Oh, so you're knocking off points. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Cause... LeBron's now, in his 17th season, and he's playing every night. The only player I would throw out there... And he would probably not win because of the people he's up against. But I still feel like I should mention him. That would be Luca. Now he yeah, Luca, he, Luca he gets, would probably be my fifth. Yeah, you you just entertain the idea because give or take four or five years, he could be in that conversation like and be a legit person that you vote for. Uh, yeah, totally. And I mean, listen, Luca's going to be in the MVP conversation for years to come. So that's why I just wanted to throw his name out there. I know he probably would never win this year. But I would agree that it's between Harden, Giannis, and LeBron. All right, so let's stick to those three right now. And I, I got I got some stats that I'll throw out you, and we'll see where this conversation takes us. So we'll start with Giannis. The Bucks are fifty-two and nine. They're first in the East, best record in the NBA. He's averaging twenty-nine point six points per game, thirteen point eight rebounds a game, five point eight assists, one point one blocks, and one steal a game. He's shooting 55% from the field and 31% from three. Basketball reference has him as the favorite with a 56.7% chance of winning the MVP. LeBron, the Lakers are 46 and 13, first in the Western Conference. LeBron's, at, LeBron's averaging 25.5 points per game, 7.8 rebounds a game, 10.6 assists per game, 1.2 steals per game. He's shooting 49.6% from the field and 35% from three. He leads the league in assists in his 17th season while playing the lowest minutes per game of his career. Basketball reference is giving LeBron the third best chance to win MVP with an 11.7% chance. James Harden, last but not least, the Rockets are 39-21, and 21, fourth in the West, 34.9 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 7.4 assists per game. 1.7 steals per game. He's shooting 43.9% from the field and 35.8% from three, and he leads the league in scoring. Basketball reference gives him the second best chance 
behind Giannis with a 13.4 chance to win, 13.4% chance to win the MVP. So what do, what do you think? Well, I think once you really get into like the nitty-gritty of an MVP talk and you start naming your candidates and you start naming stats, those are all fine and dandy. But when it comes down to it, the way I see it is the MVP award is, is a little cloudy now because people judge it differently. The way I see it as if you take that player away from that team, what do they become? That's how I see it. Now, you take away Harden from the Rockets, they still have Westbrook. Mind but, you, they, they would probably be still be a playoff team. You, th- you think they'd still be a playoff team with this current roster if you were to take James Harden off of it? Yes. With, with, uh, with uh, shit, I can't even say his name. Westbrook, yeah. With Westbrook, I, yeah, I would say he is. I don't think they do. Honestly, Westbrook has gotten in the playoffs with almost like <laughs> fewer good players than this. He had a center in Steven Adams. Yeah, but maybe this feeds into that that whole different uh, style of play. So okay. I don't know. I think I still think that they would make the playoffs. But that's just because of the player that Westbrook is. Now, if you take LeBron away from the Lakers, they still have AD. Mind you, I don't know if they make the playoffs with just AD. Yeah, with their current roster. With their current right roster is really I don't know. crappy. It's tough. That that means you would have to put more pressure on Kuzma scoring, and the list goes on and on of what players would have to step up. So again, that one I don't know. But if you take Giannis off the Bucks, that team looks like a solid team in the East, mind you, because you are playing in the East. But I don't know if they, I don't know if they get very far in the playoffs and how good they are without him. Well, then who do you give it to then? Out of all those three, I, I think Harden is the the if weakest. You, if yeah. you had a vote. He is the weakest candidate. I'll say Harden is the weakest. And it why would be is Hard- why is Harden the weakest candidate if he's leading the league in scoring? Scoring isn't everything though. Okay. Yeah. Because hey, no. hey, no, no, I'm not getting mad at a you. Lot, I'm saying a lot of people a lot of people would give it to Harden because he's leading the league in scoring. Yeah, but see, those are the people who who don't they don't test the game of basketball and how you're playing by giving it the eye test. You have to see what's going on, not just by record and not just by scoring. That has that has a piece to do with it, but you have to see the overall picture, basically. Yeah. Like, again, you have to see what the team would be like if they didn't have them. Or, uh, yeah, if they didn't have Harden and they just kept Westbrook. Hey, to me, they'd still be a playoff team. Yeah. Now, again, I said with the Lakers, you take out LeBron out and you still have AD. Now, LeBron does a little bit more than Harden does. That's why I think Harden is the weakest out of all three. Giannis... I would give it to Giannis if it ended today, only because you take him away from the Bucks. They're they're not a very good team. They're okay, I guess. They're but they're not interesting. We talked about that last week. Yeah, that was that, the biggest thing we yeah, talked about last week. That they're just kind of boring. There's a team that nah, there's a couple shooters. Maybe there's one solid point guard. They have like a big roster of, of a lot of big men on it. Yeah, whatever. But you take him away. I'm bo- I'm even more bored watching Bucks. Uh, yeah, the Bucks games for sure. I think ultimately, if I was voting, I would vote for LeBron. And I know that I know people are going to say that's biased, but what he's doing in his seventeenth years. See, he doesn't have that argument. You said that he's unreal. leading, that he's leading the league in assist in his seventeenth year, and he's doing it playing the lowest minutes per game of his career. So he's a bit more efficient as he gets older. Yeah, he's been a lot more efficient this year, and with what he has done. Like, basically saying to AD, like, yeah. Like, basically, he's giving the keys to him for the future 
I think after this year. Yeah, he's deferred in a way. Yeah, for sure. Especially he's especially on the scoring uh, end. Yeah, and you saw that his first year in Miami with Dwayne Wade, where he took kind of the back seat the first year, and then obviously Dwayne Wade went to him that summer after the season was like, yo, no, here's the keys. This is your team. We need you to do this. Once they realized they couldn't get over the hump against Dallas in 2011. So I would probably vote for LeBron, but I think ultimately you're right. Giannis is probably going to win back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, it's just the way I see it. LeBron does so much for the Lakers, but then you see what Giannis does too, and he he does scoring. He's their leading rebounder. I think he's their leading assist. Um, yeah, he's leading the team in assists as well, right? Uh, I know it's points. I'm not in, sure about that. Points and rebounds for sure. And mind you, Harden is leading the league in scoring. I think it's with 35 around that. But Giannis is close second though with 30. Yeah, Giannis is at 29.6. Exactly. And but he, yeah, he leads. He leads the Bucks in points, rebounds, and assists. Exactly. Yes, he does just so much for that team. So it's like you take him away. Where's your leading scorer? Who's your leading rebounder? Who's your leading assist guy? Exactly. Yeah. Who's your playmaker? He just draws so much attention that that's to me, that's why he's your MVP for this year. Now, again, no knock to LeBron because what he's doing in his 17th year is is amazing. But again, you take him away. You still have a semi-interesting team in the Lakers because you still have AD who's who's young. And the Lakers are always going to be a storyline. Yeah, no matter where. They were a storyline when they were crap, when they were mediocre. And now that they're kind of back to title contender, they're they're back in the storyline again. Well, speaking of storylines with this MVP race, the beef between Giannis and Harden, and I know Giannis said there's no beef or whatever, but, I mean, some of the shots that were taken, I they're just too funny, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about it. So uh, why don't you play the clips of uh, Giannis and Harden going back and forth? It started with Giannis at the All-Star Draft. Yeah, uh, so this one has a little bit of Kenny Smith in there and Charles he, Barkley. Exactly. So they're which Charles Barkley actually jumps in and he makes Charles his own Bar- jab. Charles Barkley's I think the one that ultimately started this. Well, I'll give it to Chuck then. All right, here it is. Okay. This is a tough one. Um I'm between Ken by Trey Young. Wait, you don't want I gotta the, go. you don't want the dribbler? There's the <laughs> shot. <laughs> I want somebody that's gonna pass the ball. That's what I want. Oh man. <laughs> So I'm going to go with uh, crossover killer, step back master, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. All right. Yeah, they can see that coming. Well, he Walker. needs a guard. He- hey, Chuck was right, though. He is uh, he is the dribbler. But what's interesting, though, is that Giannis said he wanted someone that could pass. And so uh, he Harden went- averages more assists. Well, yes, in the, then, in the then sit-down. Ke- then Kemba. In the sit-down with Rachel Nichols, Rachel Nichols asked... James Harden about that comment, and uh, here it is. I had people talking about some of the stereotypes that have blown up around you. Charles Barkley, when they had the All-Star draft, was saying, oh, no one wants to take James Harden. He's a dribbler. Giannis Antetokounmpo makes a joke on the air about, uh, I want to take someone who can pass. I'm taking Kemba Walker instead of James Harden. I have more assists than him, I think. You ranked 10th in assists going into the All-Star break, and Kemba ranked 36th in assists going into the All-Star break. That's a question. I don't, I don't see what the joke is. But I don't even—I didn't even see it. You know, I don't—I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Uh, I just know none of them can mess with me. Well, the numbers don't lie. I will say that tenth and thirty-sixth is quite the difference. Yeah, there's a little bit of a discrepancy in that. Yeah, and then Rachel also asked James about the shot that Giannis took at him, 
wish I could just run, run and with seven feet and run and just dunk. Like that takes no skill at all. <laughs> I got to actually learn how to play basketball and how to have skill, you know? I'll take that any day. Now, See, that one I didn't get. I kind of disagree with James that one's, here. That one's stupid. Because Giannis, Giannis does a lot more than just run and jump and dunk. First of all, he's not just dunking on you. You're you're on ESPN's top highlights and on the wrong end of it. Well, yes, but after those comments, Giannis went off for 40 and 20. And a lot of those were skill buckets. Yeah, they weren't just... Drives to the paint. A lot of mid-range. He hit a couple threes. Look, I say this every time we talk about the Bucks, and especially Giannis. He is just a jump shot away from being the best player in the league. For sure. All he needs is a consistent jump shot, not even a three-pointer. I know the league is so focused on, on the three-point shooting now. That's what the league is. It's either you shoot a three or you get an easy bucket. Uh, but he's just that one jump shot away. Yeah, if he could shoot 35 to 40% from about 15 feet and out. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a high percentage. It just has to be he can knock a couple open ones down. You got to guard him when he's out there kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly, because people are backing off on him, so that way they force him t- to score inside. But he's just so long that he can get there with two steps, and he's just so physical. Because, mind you, when he came into the league, he was really scrawny, but now he's obviously— And he was raw. Yeah, now he's big, and he has— size and he has skill so he already has the other components the defensive stuff the iq is already there um his his steps to the basket just so quick he just needs that jump shot that's all he needs yeah so overall i think we're both in agreement that while even though i would vote if i had a vote god willing one day vote for hey you know you you never know be pretty cool uh, but if I had a vote, I would probably vote LeBron. But ultimately, I think they are going to give it to Giannis. And I know, Jacob, you feel the same way. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So shut up, James Harden. <laughs> Your stupid comment. <laughs> but all right, let's 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 move on now. And I remember back on episode 125, I believe, we discussed Zion finally getting a return date to make his debut in the NBA, and then we were supposed to talk about his debut on episode 126, but then Kobe passed, so everything kind of got pushed back because of that. So now that Zion has played a full month and some change in the league, I thought it would be appropriate to bring him back up so we can talk about how he's doing. So he's played 15 games for the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are 8-7 and seven in those games. He's averaging 24.1 points per game, 6.8 rebounds a game, 2.1 assists. He's shooting 59.3% from the field and almost 42% from three. He has only taken 12 threes, though, so it's somewhat of a small sample size, but he's only played 15 games. He's shooting 64.8% from three, or from the free throw line. So, I mean, he could work on some free throws, but... Yeah, but that's the least of his worries right now. But yeah. The cool thing, though, he's already made some history. He has scored 20 or more points in 11 straight games and is the first rookie to score 20-plus points in 10 straight games since Donovan Mitchell did it. The only other players to have done that since 2000 are Joel Embiid and Blake Griffin. He scored his career-high 35 points on Sunday night in prime time on ESPN at home against LeBron and the Lakers. And listen, he's been very impressive in the games that I've watched so far since he debuted. And the Pelicans are currently sitting at 26 and 34. 
They're sitting at 10th in the West, but they're still somewhat in the hunt for that eighth spot currently occupied by John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. So can Zion get the Pelicans to the playoffs, and will that win him rookie of the year? Now, their team is in a really good position. Like you said, they're a couple slots away from the eighth seed, and that team is pretty interesting too because Brandon Ingram has been playing a hell of a lot better than he did last year. Lonzo Ball has improved drastically. You have Josh Hart on that team. The only odd man out is kind of Drew Holiday because he doesn't really fit with the youth part. But that, but, he, but, but, listen, but he's still contributing, though. It's it, it's crazy. Drew Holiday is still doing exactly what he's been doing in this it, league. Exactly, yeah. He hasn't deterred from that. But that team is very interesting. Now, that does give him the case, or a stronger case, I should, I should say, for Rookie of the Year. And I remember when he first came back, his, his debut, and we were talking about it. I think that, Tyler was here on the show, and Tyler was saying that it's a fan's vote, the Rookie of the Year award is at but not least. A, not a fan vote. Basically, it's a, yeah. No, it's a popularity yeah, yeah, contest. There you go. Yeah, pop, I couldn't find the right word. But I didn't really agree with that in the sense of, like, Jaw has been playing the whole season, and this is what he's been doing, and his strong case is that his team is in a playoff spot right now. This playoff start today, he's in, and Zion's not. But I think as Zion's been playing – he gets his team into the playoffs or his team gets to the playoffs, then he has a really strong argument. Do I think he wins at the end? Still don't. But I think that he's kind of proved me wrong from what I initially said about him not even getting close to winning it. Yeah, no, listen, he's definitely in the hunt. He has been very, very impressive. And I think if the Pelicans do end up making the playoffs, he will win rookie of the year. I Like, which I, is crazy because you gave me his stats that he's averaging like 24 and 7 and he's only played 15 games and I know and he scored 20 plus in 11 of them. Exactly. So he just needed to shake off whatever rust he had in maybe two of those games, but already he's he's already established himself. People already know what he can do in the paint. Maybe his yeah, maybe he has to work on his free throws, but he can still shoot threes too. There was one game, what did he have, like four of them? I think it was in his debut. Yeah, he had. He was four for four in his debut. And hold on, I'm pulling up his stats. In every single game that he has made a three, he's been 100% from the field. Jeez. So he's five of 12 from three in the 15 games. Yeah, he doesn't have to shoot a lot of jumpers because he's a physical presence inside. He made a shot like probably I think like eight to 12 feet from the basket against the Lakers on Sunday. And they said that was the furthest shot that he had taken that he had made. That wasn't a three. Everything else has been inside the paint basically. Yeah. Cause if you look at his game, even when he initially got drafted, I know I saw a couple comparisons to that of like Charles Barkley, as far as like his size and like kind of his game in a sense, but Charles actually could shoot a little bit better. Yeah, but, that was always the question with Zion was, can he shoot at the NBA level? We knew he was going to yeah. get it done in high school. We knew he – we saw what he did in college. But he ha- he has been pretty efficient from the field, especially and, if he's going to stick to probably within eight feet of the basket. Yeah, see, he doesn't really have to shoot a lot of threes. He can no. shoot his two or three, be done with it, and then just dominate inside. Exactly. Because what I've seen him in his game – he has that really quick first step where he hits you with a jab and then it's he's one so ex- dribble. He's and, so explosive. Yeah, and even if you do catch up to him by sliding your feet, he's just so much. He's just so physical 
that um, I mean, he was, look at his size. He was dominating coups on yeah, Sunday. It, it was. It, he looks like a straight up like linebacker from the NFL. He's just pushing these small forwards around because, like I like we said earlier, the NBA has kind of gone to the hybrid offenses, and people are sometimes going smaller with their lineups. You put a three or a four on him, it's it's going to be tough because he's, he is smaller than the four, but he's a lot more physical than the three. Kuz was no match for him on defense. When LeBron was guarding him, he was having problems. But when Kuz was guarding him, he was he was eaten. Yeah, be, well, look at look at Kuz's frame, and then you look at Zion's frame. It's that's that's easy money for Zion inside. Oh yeah, there was one play where he just put his shoulder into Kuz, and Kuz just literally fell. Well, what can you do? It's either yeah. that you take the charge, or you just get the hell out of the way. Yeah, but I really like the, what he's been like. I like what he's been doing in the past fifteen games because he's shown the league that he does have an argument for rookie of the year. Inevitably, I don't think he wins it, only because I don't know if he has enough time to win it. Well, you looked up the stat. What was the stat for the youngest? So, so there was the the shortest amount of games the least amount of games played in a season for someone to win rookie of the year. So there was three, two of them actually currently played, which I was pretty surprised. Oh really? Yeah. And one of them threw me off because, well, I'll give it to you now. One of them is Vince Carter. So I was completely surprised when I saw the name because then when I looked at him, I was like, Oh, he still plays in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Vince Carter has been in the league 22 years. I was expecting when I pulled up his career stats to just be done at a certain year. But no, obviously was still there this year. You forgot that Vince Carter was still in the league for for because of the list. Okay. Yeah. Only because of the list. Not that not that I just forgot. The other person was Patrick Ewing. Okay. How many games did he play? So both him and Vince Carter are tied at 50. Okay. Now the, the second close one to them is Kyrie Irving with 51. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hold on a sec. Because I believe Kyrie had a couple of of nagging injuries when he first came in. Because he was injured in college, too. So I'm assuming some of those injuries kind of came up again when he got drafted. But he only played 51, and then Ewing played 50, Carter, and Carter played 50 as well. Are you counting over there? Or? Yeah, I'm count. Sorry, I'm counting how many games left the Pelicans have. Mm-hmm. So the Pelicans have 21 games left, and he's played 15 games already. So he would 15 and 21, that's 36. Yeah. 36 games total, and he could potentially win Rookie of the Year. So he would be the youngest, or not the youngest, he would have the fewest amount of games to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, unprecedented. I don't. But again, I don't think he does. He has a good case, but he really has to get to the playoffs. Right, because... If he doesn't get to the playoffs, the argument is how do you give a guy who's only played 36 games a rookie of the year? Exactly. And you're going to bypass the guy who's played all season long and who has his team in the playoffs. Yeah. And he is he is the alpha dog of that team. Like Zion, you could say, is he your main guy? Maybe. Right. But if you look at where the Pelicans were. Oh, no, no, no. When, this he, is, when he debuted. Yeah, this is not taking to where they are away now, from them. And if he does get them to the playoffs, I think. I think you have to give it to him. That oh the rookie of the made, year award? Yeah, because he made that big of an impact. We know we know the impact John made on Memphis because we got a full sample size, but in the small sample size we got from Zion, he was able to flip their season around. That's impressive. No, he's done a hell of a job of turning that organization at least into something interesting and and at least for the future they know they're gonna have a good team for years to come. 
as long as they continue to build around it, the only thing that is not in his favor is that he has to pass teams like Portland. I don't think Portland's missing out on the playoffs as bad as they played all year. So you think Portland's going to leapfrog Memphis, or you think Memphis is going to leapfrog Dallas? And I, see, then... I, I see one of two things happening. I, I either see Dallas is seven games ahead of Memphis, bro. Yeah. So that eighth seed is up for grabs. So you think Memphis falls out and Portland? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Either Memphis clinches the eighth spot and Portland, you know, they continue to play really bad for the rest of the year, and they're out. And then you for sure would have to give it to uh, to, to Jaw because he got his team to the playoffs. Now, if Portland over, if yeah, if they overlap Memphis and they get the eighth spot, and both of those teams, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, are out. Then maybe Zion has a stronger case. No, I no. If if the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are both out, Jaw wins. If the Grizzlies make the playoffs and the Pelicans, Jaw still wins. Jaw still wins. It, so the only the way only the only way, way you're saying that Zion has to make the playoffs. Yeah, Zion has to make a playoffs for but him to I don't have a think, chance. But I don't think that's going to happen though. So you think he? You think regardless of the playoffs, he still has a chance? Oh, Zion. Yeah, he has a smaller chance. Now, when I said it initially, I don't think he had a chance at all. Oh, I okay. Yeah, Hold on. When I was he, confused for a second. Yeah, you were saying there's no chance the Pelicans make the playoffs. Yes, I don't okay. think they make the playoffs. They Got have it. to pass teams like Portland. Portland again has played really crappy throughout the year, but I don't think they can pass a team like Portland. Yeah, listen, you think you think Dame's going to give it up to them? Okay, so here's here's the way the the West shakes out at eight. Memphis is at eight right now at thirty and thirty one. Portland, Sacramento. And San Antonio are all two and a half games out of that eighth spot. Which San Antonio will not make the playoffs. No, San Antonio won't make the playoffs. Sacramento won't make the playoffs. But the Pelicans, man, if they can do it, that's the best chance Zion has to win. See, the only thing that scares me in their favor is the Blazers are standing in their way. This has nothing to do with the Grizzlies because if the Grizzlies make it or whatever, that's that's on them. Like they they had their own destiny. But Portland still has a shot of making the playoffs. Well, yeah, and you can't count out Damian Lillard exactly. and CJ McCollum. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you is that do you think that he's just gonna like give up because they've had a crappy year? No. And no, oh, they, they missed the playoffs by two games. No, he's gonna do everything he can to get them there. Oh, no doubt. So yeah. To your to your argument, Zion has to make the playoffs for him to at least have a good chance of being considered for rookie of the year. Yeah. So all right. Last topic for the night. Spike Lee versus the New York Knickerbockers. Which would be a questionable headline <laughs> if you tell that to anybody else. Listen, it's one I never thought I would see. No, exactly, yeah. I didn't think I would see that headline. Super fan. And director Spike Lee is at war with his beloved New York Knicks. He was on ESPN's first take this morning, and Lee said he's taking a hiatus from Madison Square Garden. Jacob, I know you have a clip from the appearance, so why don't you hit that? So at halftime, Dolan comes over to me and says, we need to talk. I said, talk about what? We need to talk. I said, Mr. Dolan, I don't want to talk about nothing. I've been coming through this entrance for 28 years. Plus, Wednesday... Historic event, the world's most famous arena, Masquerade Garden. They had a Broadway. They took The Killer Mockingbird mm-hmm. and had a performance 
for 18,000 New York City public kids. Amazing event. Where did I go in? The ploy entrance. That was Wednesday. So if they want to change this whole new policy they talk about, and at first they never said when the thing changed. So why not call me? When I, if, when my, my deposit to do was astronomical price for Nick tickets, and I'm one day late, my phone is ringing off the hook. So Spike Lee's comments come a day after a video circulated online showing Lee yelling at Madison Square Garden security outside of a MSG elevator, leading to what some said to be him being thrown out. But a Knicks spokesperson said that that was untrue, and it was simply an issue of Lee using the wrong entrance. Which is super confusing because I did watch his whole interview on first take, and he said he entered in one entrance, and then they wanted him to leave and enter in a different entrance. Right. So basically, Spike Lee has been using apparently the employee entrance to Madison Square Garden for the last 28 years. So why change something on one night? Right. So they wanted Madison Square Garden security once he got inside and his ticket was already scanned. He said in his interview that his ticket was already scanned. And once your ticket is scanned... Yeah, you can't rescan it. Right. You, at sporting events and a lot of concerts at arenas... and Once you're in, you leave, you can't come back yeah, inside. Yeah, there's, there's no re-entry. And Madison Square Garden security asked him to leave and walk out the door of Madison Square Garden, walk two blocks, because he said, I think the employee entrance is on, like, 34th, and the VIP yeah. entrance for Madison Square Garden is on 32nd. Um, so, yeah, he want, they wanted him to leave Madison Square Garden, walk two blocks around the arena, and walk into the VIP entrance that he doesn't use it and has never used before. So, and I know a lot of people had said that he had gotten thrown out, wasn't let in, but then the Knicks had said that he was there, and Spike Lee and Knicks owner James Dolan could be seen shaking hands and smiling at halftime, and Spike was in his sideline seat in the second half and stayed through the entire game against the, the Rockets last night. But in the interview, he said, quote, I wasn't shaking his hand. Quote, in fact, when he came over, I didn't even get up right away. And then he went on to say that he's being harassed by James Dolan and he doesn't know why. And in the clip, the original clip of the incident, you can even hear Spike yelling at security saying, why, why don't you arrest me like Charles Oakley? Yeah. Which was like, oh, Spike's getting serious. Yeah, well, if you just heard him in the clip, he sounded pissed. Like, who wouldn't be? And honestly, we didn't get that part... But at one point during the interview, Stephen A. Smith asks him a question, and I forgot what the context of the question was, but Spike Lee responds, I've been to this stadium for so many years, and I've never asked for special treatment. No. He's not asking to get a, a red carpet, you know, uh, thrown out for him as he comes into the game. You know, he's not asking for, for all this luxury stuff. He just wants to go see a basketball game. He doesn't care about anything else. Right, and... You you heard it when his deposit is late for his yeah, season tickets. They're hitting him up. They're hitting him up immediately. And in the interview, I don't know if it was in the interview or who said it, but there were a lot of like reports that 
Spike spends $300,000 per season on season tickets. And if you do the math, he's been a season ticket holder for like 30 years. That's like $9, $10 million he's spent on the Knicks. And the Knicks have sucked for the majority of that time. Yeah, they've been, the Knicks have been trash and irrelevant since the 90s. He's honestly been the most exciting part, I think, of the Knicks. In, yeah, you take in away you take away spiking, it's just a crappy team. You at least give them spike. Oh, that's a crappy team with a celebrity who still likes them. Yeah. And so basically Spike said on first take that he's not coming back to MSG the rest of the season. He'll resume going to games next season. But I know I wouldn't. One, the season's already over. The season was over when it began for them. So he's not really missing out on much. Yeah. And he basically said that he wasn't coming back after the Knicks released their statement on what happened. And they posted. Well, their statement statement was a little bit of BS, though, too. Yeah. And also the post where the statement was posted included a picture of the entrance that. Yeah. You know what that is? This is two middle fingers to Spike Lee. It, It was a picture of the entrance that Spike was not supposed to use. And then a picture of. Spike and James shaking hands at halftime, even though Spike said I didn't shake his hand or whatever. But the Knicks statement reads like this, and it was honestly pretty preposterous. Quote, the idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama he is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. This is such a Knicks thing to do, man. Like, James Dolan is the worst owner in sports. and By far, which sucks, too, because that team is, like, the most ex- expensive team to buy in the league. But this is exactly why no superstar free agent is Wants ever going to go gonna there. come to the Knicks. Yeah. They don't know how to take care of their people. I cannot, I cannot, cannot, cannot ever imagine a scenario happening where the Lakers and super fans like Jack Nicholson, Denzel Washington, or Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers ever got into some sort of situation like this. No, and again, they probably don't even ask for special treatment either. But they also don't deal with crappy owners like James Dolan. I mean, yeah, Jeannie Buss is regarded as one of the best owners in all of sports. Yeah, which obviously last year they had their own front office issues, but that's besides the point. Now, this with the Knicks, Dolan has ran this team into the ground since he's had them. For the last 30 years. Exactly. I just... Which he's had run-ins like this before with fans. Spike Lee mentioned it. Charles Oakley. And Charles Oakley was was the more recent one, which oh. it sucks because he did win that that lawsuit, though. Yeah, James Dolan ultimately ended up winning the suit that Charles Oakley had thrown against him. But because yeah, Dolan had him arrested, I don't know what I don't know what Oakley was doing, but it looked like they got into a verbal altercation. So there was like a, a bit of yeah, pushing and shoving. Exactly. But... Yeah, and then they had him escorted out, and not just escorted out, he was arrested. Yeah, but listen, that I mean. Spike was visibly, visibly upset on first take this morning. Yeah, that. so when I listened to the interview initially, he just you could see the frustration. He was mad, obviously, but you could just see how frustrated he was because of whatever he said and whatever he was telling first take that happened, the Knicks completely disregarded it and said, no, 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 
this that's not what happened. This is what happened. I'm pretty sure he was even like, are the Knicks ever like even going to win a championship again in my lifetime? He should just trade uh, or just get a new team to root for. You saw that Reggie Miller tweeted at him, just, right? I was just about to say. I would consider it if I was Spike Lee. Reggie basically tweeted like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like, that would never happen. At, Go uh, join the Pacers. Uh, f- uh, what's their arena called? Field the Bank Field House. House. Yeah, Field Bank, Field Bank yeah. House, something like that. Um, yeah, he was like, that would never happen in Indiana. Absolutely not. So, I don't know. It's but But what I'm trying to say is that he's had this, like, this controversy behind him before, like Dolan has. Yes, Dolan, not not um, not uh, Spike, Spike Lee. Yeah, it, back in 2012 when they had Jeremy Lin, he got a bunch of scrutiny because he didn't match Houston's offer for Lin, and people were like, "What the hell?" Like he just had a yeah, great they, season they with just us. Went through Lin Sanity. Yeah. yeah, we just went through Lin Sanity, and even Spike Lee to bring him into this conversation was wearing Lin's jerseys from um, high school and college. Yeah, like what, like. What does that have to say? No, you think New York Knicks, you automatically think Spike Lee. Yeah. When you think of the rivalry that New York had with Indiana, you think of Reggie Miller, and you think of not New York Knicks, you think of Spike. There was an entire 30 for 30 documentary Just, on Reggie Miller and Spike. <laughs> yeah. It, see, you might think of, of the Knicks players like Ewing and Oakley and Starks because that's who— Mark Jackson. Exactly. That's who, who was on both sides. Which, yeah, at one point he was on both sides. But you mainly think of Spike Lee. He, in some sense, he is like the face of that organization because he is like the iconic fan. Oh, for sure, he's the like po- yes, like he is. The, he is the pinnacle of New York Knicks fan. And with and with other teams, you mentioned Phil Jack uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. He doesn't go in a Lakers jersey. All respect to Jack, great Lakers fan. You know, great actor. That's that's fine. But Spike Lee is a dedicated fan. He said today he doesn't care what happens at the game. He doesn't care about the treatment. He just wants to watch basketball. He wants to go to a game, enjoy himself, not have to deal with a bunch of BS. Yeah. And unfortunately, he got the BS last night. Oh, he got a whole lot of BS yeah. Oh, last yeah. night. No, he did. But, and- but that team has just been so, so bad. Like, I look at this roster, and I said so in the beginning, that this, th- their season was over. From when it started. Oh, yeah. They signed four power forwards. The, I, I, and that, to me, even stressed me out. Like, why the hell are you going to go out and sign four people of the same position? And then they end up getting rid of Marcus Morris. Yeah. So, at one point, they had, like, five power forwards. But even their youth, it's like they have people, uh, their, their point guards. Let's see. Alfred Payton. Nope. Okay. Frank, uh, Frank Nidicolina, or however uh, you say Nilakina, yeah. yeah. He's another one. And Dennis Smith Jr. I feel bad for Dennis Smith Jr. because he does have a big upside, but you're playing in New York. Yeah, that's why it's tough. It's hard. That's why when we were mentioning free agents on who the Lakers should get or who the Clippers should get, and we said Mo, uh, Mo Harkless might leave. I don't know why the hell he he stood there. You said, yeah, he's closer to home. Yeah, but you're playing for the Knicks, and he was. I think we even the, brought the, it up last week. Yeah. He was asked. What's it like going from a contender like the Clippers to losing six in a row with the Knicks, and does it suck? And he was just like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, because once you go to the Knicks, it's like a black hole. You just have to accept it for what it is. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't ask for a buyout, but it is what it is. That that team is just so it's so dysfunctional. Like we Like, we've talked about the Suns being so dysfunctional. No, the Knicks have been one of the most dysfunctional franchises in, in all of sports for Two decades. Which is crazy because they're valued at like $4 billion. Oh, yeah. They're the highest 
highest NBA team. Yeah, highest NBA, like value-wise for NBA, yeah. And and right behind New York Yankees for overall across all the sports. Yeah. So, like, that that just, it sucks. Dolan, Be- Dolan needs to just sell them. Which fans have yelled at him, say, hey, sell the team. And, and then, then he gets them banned. And then, yeah, and then he threatens to get them banned or he throws them out of the game. It's wild. Like, he's just a piece of crap owner. Yeah, he's the worst owner in sports. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I, 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 he, he doesn't, doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't care. Yeah, and the fact is he just doesn't care about the team, where it's going. Yeah. So, all right. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. You got any shout-outs? No. I'm no? already pissed at the Knicks. <laughs> Well, my shout out this week is to our good old friend Leangelo Ball. Oh, yeah, he yeah. Leangelo Ball has been offered a G League contract for the remainder of the season according to multiple multiple reports. The Athletic first reported that the G League was going to offer a contract to Jello and the expectation is that Jello will sign the contract relatively soon. For the last 2 months he's been working out with the Oklahoma City Blue, the Thunder's affiliate in the G League. And they have 12 games left in their regular season. Does LeVar finally get his wish? He was on Fox Sports this morning saying yeah, that I, I don't care. in three years, Leangelo's going to lead the league in scoring. Is he high when he says this or he just doesn't think about it? No, he, he, I just don't think he thinks. I feel like he just makes comments just to make them. Like how obscene they are, he just doesn't care. He just tries to speak everything into existence, man. Such a bullshit statement. <laughs> oh, and then real quick... Um, it's March now, so I'm going to set up the TSK show March Madness Bracket Challenge coming up in the next couple of days. Selection Sunday is March 15th, so we will get that all set up. And once I have everything finalized, I will put out the link so everyone can sign up. Like always, one entry per person, $25 Visa card to the winner. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachulki, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.